0: Gary Carter, Hall of Famer and former Mets legend.
1: Two and a half million people that were on Broadway cheering for us and celebrating
0: along with us. That's something that was one of the most exhilarating moments in my, my life, in my career. Former Mets pitcher, World Series champion, Gary Gentry. You don't think about the World Series, you're there. as we're here, we might as well win, right? Jerry Kuzman. And you watch two, three years down the line, everybody's pitching that way. It doesn't make it right. Nolan Ryan. When you get traded, I think it's time. It's disappointing that you feel like mainly the organization that you came up with and you really feel a commitment and ownership to them, you probably
1: get your feelings hurt a little. Chris Benson. I was a big student of the game and studied hitters and video. And we're joined by Hall of Fame pitcher Phil Necro. Charlie Huff joining us. Rick Peterson joins us.
0: I just want to act like a big market team in New York City. See, I don't need a $140 million payroll just to say we have it. I'm Matt Faz. This morning, I'm joined by Dave Singer. you are your buddies the so last night? I, you know, because I'm in DC, I get the Nationals uh, broadcast, and they were raving about Kristenew's hitting. No. You know, that's, 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 that's. Gene Anthony. When he had Wheeler, the first yeah. game, 114 pitches, freaked me out. I don't know if Dusty Baker called him and said, "Hey, you want to ruin your <laughs> pitching staff? Because
1: um, I, I got
0: a great plan. We, we had Fire and Wood, and I, and I virtually
1: just killed him. <laughs> Stephen Keen from Crane Pool yeah, Society. Let's go. Come on. Um, we're not, you know, I know the ownership thinks we're idiots. Now you're going to think we're idiots and then you want to know what people can't stand.
2: Nick what I want them to do is clear the whole outfield out. Just let it be just be Duda. I want to see Duda <laughs> in the center, but like ultra center where he's just playing all three positions. And let him lead off. I want to see as much Duda as I possibly can. easy good weekend everybody um welcome to the cult of Mets personalities um very interesting version of the show today because we are in first place um at least that's what i heard from somebody so i looked up first place in um in an encyclopedia and um apparently this and and i'm, I'm here with with uh my uh esteemed colleague, uh, Dave Singer. Now, Dave, Dave, uh, are you there it with it me? Oh, yeah, So, uh, well, of course. Hello, sir. Yeah, let me ask you a question now, all right? Um, first place, okay, this first place this concept. Now, it, when I looked it up, it seemed to, to kind of indicate better than everybody else. Um, now, but we're watching the Mets. It, am I missing something here, or, or did something happen, and we're all of a sudden a good team? Yeah, hitting happens.
0: <laughs> I mean, the, the pitching didn't change like one iota. In fact, the bullpen got a little bit worse, but all of a sudden we started hitting because we added, you know, a couple of proven major leaguers and then a damn good uh, power hitter into the lineup to give Duda some protection, and voila, magic happened. Imagine that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Wait, so, so what you're saying basically is if by by adding good hitters to a lineup, the lineup hits better. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really, really
0: oh. weird. If you add quality players offensively, mm-hmm. the offense improves. Mm-hmm. It's really magical, I think. Uh, I think that's, you know, something they should make a movie about, a la Moneyball, called Sandy Ball. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, you know how it is in MLB. You know, everyone's going to start copying now, you know. I know they're all just new concepts. To to the hitters. Yeah, <laughs> and they're going to just... <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Everyone's going to mo- model the, their teams after Sandy, which is, you know, to actually get a get good players. I didn't know good players played well. That's amazing. It's really I, I, weird. I, I, yeah, you know, I seem to remember, you know, we had a couple of teams with good players that played well, but I didn't know that there were there was a correlation there between yeah. talent and good, you know, well-performed baseball. So that's I learned something new Sandy is a yeah. genius I don't know what to tell you
0: Yeah it's actually true It actually really Really works When you put Good offensive players In the lineup mm. The offense gets better And and who Who would have mm. thought It would actually work But uh, amazingly It has And we're in first place Bryce Harper really? Suck it
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, He's starting to panic Isn't he I, I gotta say something You know And this might be The most um, The biggest thing That I've taken away From the last uh, The last week Um Jason Worth is disgusting. He, he, he... Did you... Like, I don't know if I'm the only one that that kind of zeroed in on this, but <laughs> I was watching those games in high def, and, man, he's not 100% human, is he? He's just a... That... It's it's. I don't know why that's something that kind of popped into my head, but they kept zeroing in on him, and he... Was sweating like an animal, and he was overly tan. And that, and he's got hair everywhere, and it's sticking to his body. And he, it <laughs> reminded me a little bit of Captain Caveman from the seventies. <laughs> my oh, yeah. God, man, my God, that, that's a reason enough for the for the Nets not to be at first. Imagine playoff well, games; they're zeroing in on him. Ah, that's got to end. <laughs> no well, thanks.
0: We do have uh, we have Bobby Parnell, so.
2: It's <laughs> kind of a Jason Worth
0: light. The <laughs> <laughs> craggy skin, the disgusting beard, he, uh, <laughs> this is just the just the lack of gene gene pool diversity that created him. It's, uh, it's not good.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, oh boy. So we're, we're two and a half games up. Um, I don't even know. That's. I mean, it's August. What is that? I mean it it almost seems like you I know mean, we good is that is that what's going on here like did did this team actually turn a corner
0: yeah i mean all kidding aside you know the the team i mean pitching is arguably 70, 70 to 75% of, of your typical playoff world series team success very rarely is it mm-hmm. you know like the old bash brothers where that the offense carries right. a team into the playoffs it's usually pitching mm-hmm. defense and, and you know good strategic baseball that wins, and the Mets Mm -hmm. have great pitching. I mean, the pitching staff, everyone acknowledges now that the Mets have the best pitching staff in baseball, better than the Dodgers, Mm -hmm. better than the Nationals, better than the Cardinals. I mean, the Mets are first, second, and third in every single category. And when you can throw DeGrom, Harvey, and Syndergaard one, two, three, I mean, that's ace, ace, ace. Then you throw Neeson, who's legitimately a number three, And Cologne who's another, you know, number three, number four type pitcher, that's your five? That's your starting five? Holy shit. Who's going to beat that? That that team should win 70% of its games.
2: Well, you know, absolutely. And you know what's really interesting to me as well? Um, You know, we've been talking about the staff, the potential of it, for, for a long time. And you never hear the national media say a word about it. And over the last, literally the last week, all of a sudden, the amount of people I've heard say, well, this, is, this could be the best staff ever <laughs> in the history of <laughs> baseball. <And laughs> it's just amazing how extreme they are and how um, when they notice something, they go from completely nothing to over the top. I mean, I, I was listening to some of these um, ESPN little sports center nuggets that they put on the net, and um, you have, they have these assorted questions, and everything seemed to be along the way uh, lines of, who do you not want to see in the playoffs? what's the best um, playoff staff and all this kind of stuff. And all of a sudden now it's Mets within yep. one week. Like literally one week ago they wouldn't have, would have said anything like it. All of a sudden they recognize everybody as an ace. And I've actually heard um, national reporters refer to the team as having four aces. So they're already counting Mets as an ace after two starts. And <laughs> not even pitching right now. So it's, uh, I mean, it's 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 cool, but it's amazing to, to hear the extreme um, on from the other side, where it's because we've always had extreme negativity before, so now it's this extreme positive.
0: Yeah, I, I'm I'm happy to hear it. You know, we heard you know the, the real baseball pundits throughout throughout the season and even the off season. You know, they were mm-hmm. talking to Mets, but now they're kind of. Pseudo-baseball media, the guys who start getting excited about it, you know, if you all start breaking after, right. they're the ones mm-hmm. that are kind of waking up to it. I mean, we've all seen it forever. We've been building towards this. we talked mm-hmm. about, you know, this team having five aces, right? When you add mm-hmm. Wheeler, sure. you know, and mats hopefully, you know, both get healthy. Next mm-hmm. year, I mean, you're looking at five number one, number two pitchers on a staff. You have no number four, number five starter. You have only ones and twos. That is freaking unbelievable. And they're all going to be... 27 and younger, come on. You're talking about the makings of a historic pitching staff here, something like the Orioles yeah. had where they had 4 20-game winners or, you know, the Mets or the Dodgers, some of those stats with, you know, Koufax and Drysdale. I mean, this is a staff that's going to be better than the Braves, better than the Ace trio. There's some stuff that Billy Bean was talking about. Um, I, I don't remember a time, and, we you know, we're projecting for the future a little bit, but when a staff mm-hmm. was that deep, one through six, because Jonathan Neese is a good pitcher. The guy is a quality major league pitcher. You know, we tease him a lot. here. He's a soft tissue injury waiting to happen, but he's a bulldog and a gamer, and he's gone out and thrown nothing but great starts for us for a month, and he looks fantastic. So, you know, the staff is amazing, man. I, I really am excited for what the team is. and You know, we're not going to win every game, but holy shit, Nationals and the rest of the National League, watch out, because we're going to steamroll. We're going to win at least two thirds of the remaining games. I just I just feel it. Like, you know, we're getting David right back. Mm-hmm. My God. That's that's, that's something.
2: <laughs> and don't forget that the uh sixth pitcher in that kind of lineup would be Montero, theoretically and he he's at le- you know, he would make most staffs on the majors, honestly. He's gotta be at least a four. And when he's yeah, on I, he's I he's probably I, I love a three. Montero
0: stuff, you know, for him, you know, the size is an issue. You know, there's very few Pedro Martinez's in the world. I just I do have a little fear that he's just not physically uh, strong enough to to give you, you know, 200 innings a year. But I, I love Montero's stuff. Uh, I just think he's electric. He finds strike zone. He mixes mm-hmm. his speed to go high-low. He's um, great control. He's not scared. Uh, I, I love the guy. I think he's a tremendous can, pitcher. So, yeah, you know, go ahead. Mm-hmm.
2: No, well, he can be kind of a Ramiro Mendoza sort of uh, type for us, which is, I think, perfect. Um, yeah, so yeah. Honestly, if you think about it, you, you know, you talk about the seventy-one Orioles and you talk about some of these other staffs, and there, I don't think there's ever been one that's been five deep, ever. And and there's a there's a shock because Wheeler. I mean, Wheeler was definitely settling in as a number two when he got hurt, and you know, the guy hasn't pitched without pain since he's been a, actually since he's been drafted. <laughs> that's what he said. Mm-hmm. You know? So you kind of almost wonder what the potential really is for this guy. If he, could, if he could be a number two while hurt, you know, that's got to say something. And, and on top of it, I, I really do think that these pitchers pitching with each other, it's a huge help. Um, I noticed um, they were talking uh, – there was some radio interview, and I, I can't remember what it was, but they were talking about the Cardinals and how one of their big things that they do – and, of course, they didn't give the Mets credit for this, too, because I know that they do the same thing – is um, – the unique, one of the unique things that they do is that all the starters go out to the bullpen and watch the um, the the one night starter warm up, and if they see anything or they notice anything, that they make a comment. And that was one thing that John Smoltz talked about when he went from the Red Sox to the Cardinals. And all of a sudden, you know, Carpenter and the other guys are kind of watching him throw, and they found out that he they kind of told him that he was t- tipping his pitches. And it gave him a, a better end to his career because, you know, he was able to be effective again, at least for a little while. So, but, you know, going back to spring training, when, um, when Wright um, spoke to Molina, and remember that whole thing where um, the Mets started traveling together, specifically because yeah. Molina told Wright, yeah, exactly. So the thing is, the Mets also have been doing the thing with the bullpen this year, too. And it's basically copying the Cardinals, so no one really kind of made that <laughs> to that um, line um, at this point. But that's exactly what happens, and I wonder if that contributes to um, how Syndergaard developed so quickly. And, you know, because basically he, whatever issues he's having in the minors, I mean that that just kind of um, they evaporated. Oh, it so gone. fast, so fast, and just you just get this feeling like there's no way this would have happened under um the old circumstances that we usually play under. Um, I mean just I mean, be, before this would have been a Mike Palfrey <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's say. Now all of a sudden he comes up and he's realizing every every bit of his potential. And this is that's to me that's the craziest thing about this. I mean you've had other teams that have brought up um a staff of people that were extremely talented, but to have everyone max out I mean you, it's just it's just phenomenal.
0: I think, I, I think it speaks to, you know, one, and we've said this for the last two years, we like this team as far as the people on this team. These are good people. They've shipped out everybody that was a little bit of trouble. I mean, frankly, to include Marlon Byrd, who teammates mm-hmm. like him, but he can be a little bit of, a, of an interesting character. These are just good mm-hmm. quality people, and I love the Mutual Admiration Society the young pitchers that have developed. They've been friends for a while. They've gone up through the minor league system competing with each other Harvey led the way, showed success. You know, the other guys come up, Zach Wheeler. um, There's a healthy little friendly competition between those two. Jacob comes up, and he's just such a mellow dude. He just goes out and and he fights. Um, Nice is not a guy that pouts. I mean, he's a supportive guy. And Colon is just, you know, the old sage, right? Really the one guy who was maybe a little bit, you know, not thrilled with his role in being usurped by young guys was Dylan G. Mm -hmm. And I think the Mets handled that pretty quickly as well. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, he kind of fell in line now with his role in the minor league. So I-, I love it. I think the fact <laughs> they go out there and cheer each other on. When I was in Chicago,
1: mm-hmm.
0: remember I had these great seats. I literally was on the field right by the Mets bullpen, which is on the right. first base side on the foul lines. Mm-hmm. And when they went up and Harvey was starting that day, the whole mm-hmm. staff stood behind him, the whole staff. And they were into it, and they were smiling, and they were rooting him on, and he was just firing missiles at Puecki. And I was right next to Ploiecki, and that thump in the glove was unbelievable. So I think your point is good that, you know, when Syndergaard comes up, it's not like, hey, Rook, take my bags. You know, you're a piece mm-hmm. of crap. It's, oh, yeah, my buddy's here, and we're going to help him be successful, and we're going to compete and be friends, and uh, it's going to be amazing. Hey, I want to touch on one thing. I just I looked up real quick what, what people regard as the best staff in, like, the last 20 or 30 years, and tell me mm-hmm. what you think of this staff. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty amazing. Greg okay. Maddox, Tom Glavin, okay. John Smoltz, Denny Nagel, and Kevin Millwood. Now remember, even though Millwood kinda of sucked at the end, he right. had two at you know, year stretch. That's nine the ninety eight Braves. So if you take that team and you compare it to, you know, Harvey, Syndergaard, you know, Nice, uh and you know, and our guys I, I I would put that staff maybe a tick above it for that particular season. You know what?
2: Uh, I, I have to. But, I have this Well, are you talking about the compared to what we are now or what will be next year?
0: Well, it's now, but I think next year. I think uh, the Mets will. The twenty sixteen Mets will will go down as potentially, you know, health permitting, one of the great staffs ever. Twenty sixteen.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I that I, I can agree with that. I think ne- next year, and, and of course, it's on paper because you need people healthy, and you don't know. I mean, if Wheeler has one setback, he's gone for next year because you know he's only yeah. supposed to be here for three three months of it to begin with. But um, that being said, I think that if all these guys are clicking on all cylinders, um, this is the best staff in the history of baseball. I'm not I'm not joking. I mean, honestly, come up with one better <laughs> I, <laughs> for a five man staff. Go for it. You know. Um, but yeah, yeah I, I agree with you um, as far as right now because Cologne to me is a. Is a fifth starter And that, that Braves lineup you just talked about. Um, there is no fifth starter there. You know you have at I think Millwood Millwood was, was maybe a, a week two I think at his peak, and Nagel was yeah. pretty good. I mean they were they were kind of finesse pitchers. So I would put Nagel honestly I would probably put Millwood and uh, Nice on a similar level. And and Nagel was having a really good year. I remember that. So, and yeah, yeah, Nagel was, was good for a little been... while. Mm-hmm. Um, but. The but though is that Stephen Matz is kind of a wild card there, so you know you can't. I mean, you can't put Matz over either to either one of them right now, just because he hasn't done it. But from a sheer talent perspective, I mean, neither one of them had the. They were all both junk ball pitchers for the most part. I mean, Nagel wasn't throwing ninety eight, <laughs> ninety five. No, uh, you know, I just yeah, yeah I just could, remember what
0: yeah. I just remember what Wally Backman was saying. You know, back in December when we went saw him, he's like, mm-hmm. guys. Steven Matz, Steven Matz, Steven Matz. Steve I mean, this was before, you know, he went up and beat everybody at AAA. He's like, Steven Matz is, is the best prospect like he's ever seen um, in terms of the way he could throw and his and his makeup. And sure enough, you know, it comes up in, in two games and we see it. So I, I can't wait to see that dude back. Number one, because I am a little a little concerned about innings, not not as much as some, but I want to balance the load out a little bit as long as we keep winning. I mean, mm-hmm. frankly, we, we love to see a going eight innings Every start, but you know he doesn't have 200 innings in them this year. going to probably hold him to about 180. So uh, we need Maxes, you know, take some more innings from those other guys.
2: Mm-hmm. Shouldn't there be a different formula for diff- for different people though? I mean, it's, it's kind of nuts if you really think about it. You Have these some guys that are smaller um, that maybe don't have the body to hold up, and they're held to the same in- innings limits as somebody that's six six and this you know huge Hulk of a human being. <laughs> I mean, honestly. Mm-hmm. I, you know, if he can go eight innings and he's throwing without um at ease, I don't understand what the really the big problem is. I mean, I don't mean pitch him two hundred and fifty innings, but I mean he. It's not like a a um, Mark Pryor situation. I mean, Syndergaard is like a giant, you know, uh, it's like yeah. Randy Johnson. Yeah, he should be able to go a little deeper, and and we shouldn't necessarily have to worry about him. I mean, Harvey, I get because he literally just fell apart, <laughs> and and I get I get the whole the rest of it, but. um Man, that that should be that should be a workhorse for us. I mean, I've heard some people mumble about putting him in the bullpen or something for the playoffs. Which, uh, I I, honestly, I I just please (laughs) come on, come on. Um, But I, you know, just to kind of be a little, uh, have a little fun because it's been so long since we could even talk about something like that. You know, if you think of it, you only really need three starters in the playoffs for the most part. Sometimes you'd use a fourth. what would you do? What would you do, like in a seven-game series or in a five-game series? Let's say. because like, well, who out of the four, I, of them, I, I, who goes to the pen? Yeah, I mean, to,
0: to, to your first point, I do think that you know size matters. You get a guy like, you know, Madison Baumgartner, who's you know six five, two two forty, two fifty, and he's mm-hmm. been throwing two hundred innings since he's you know twenty one years old. I mean, he's he's in his fifth or sixth season. I think he's only twenty six, mm-hmm. and he's a two hundred inning guy forever. you see Mm -hmm. Syndergaard like that. Um, I do think that a little bit of caution is warranted. But, yeah, man, I I think you just get this little bit of a cushion if we can keep building on it for the next, let's say, two weeks. Mm -hmm. Then we go to maybe a six-man or we skip a start Mm -hmm. here and there for those guys just to give them a little bit of a blow. And then the weather starts changing, everything starts getting nice, and and then you finish the season out and go into playoffs with all bets are off. That's how I would handle it. I would try Mm -hmm. to literally eliminate... Two starts from Harvey, Syndergaard, and maybe one from DeGrom in the next 30 to 40 days with some combination of Mats or Montero. And, and, at, and then you're just good to go.
2: I love that with some combination of Mats and Montero. <laughs> I <if the> <laughs> can bad say thing. that. But then, you know, <laughs> and then the short series,
0: the short series, I, you know, I go, you know, everyone says, oh, you DeGrom's great. I still say, you throw Harvey in number one, throw DeGrom. And then you throw Syndergaard. Mm-hmm. It's like good morning, good afternoon, and good night. You know, <laughs> night. either one, any one of those three could start that first game. But I, I still think you tip the cap to Harvey. I think he's actually getting better and better um, as the season goes on. And man, he he is just incredible right now. He's throwing mm-hmm. freaking laser beams, and uh, you can just see how much fun he's having on the mound. Whereas earlier in the season, you know, he knew he had to prove himself you know, you had to think in the back of his mind. He's a little bit worried about the injury. I think mean, all that's gone. He he's a bulldog Harvey right now, just just wanting to go up and compete.
2: Well, Wainwright kind of mentioned something similar where he said the second half of the season is really when you start to feel like yourself. And it's uh, <laughs> and he had a pretty good first half, uh, Harvey to <laughs> begin with. So it's uh it's funny, I think that people kind of almost start to forget who Harvey is, um, because he's been um He's been kind of an average ace instead of a a completely wildly dominant one. Um, yeah, but it's I mean the the thought that um, that right now people are calling uh, Degrom the ace and, and some people are muttering that he's one of the best pitchers in baseball, if not possibly the best. <laughs> and we have somebody on our own staff that's probably better. Um, that's uh, that's kind of nuts. I I love it. And that is Koufax. It's like Koufax and Drysdale, and then and then you have almost another Kovacs and Drysdale right after them. It's just just wild. You know, when I was talking about the playoff rotation, though, um, I mean, the order I get, but the... Most likely, we'd have to put some one of these guys in the pen, and the problem—not the problem, but it's I guess. Cologne. The, it's got to be Cologne, of course. He's well, <laughs> those three plus niece. There's no other. There's no other way. Sorry, I, Bartolo. I would him I start him in, in in game one. Are you kidding me? Um, you just, just stick a twinkie on. <laughs> stick a twinkie on. You know, the ball but can you imagine? though no,
0: you know, the, you go those three in a short series. You come back with Nice. You come back with a uh-huh. gritty left-hander. I mean, who will give you? And, and you don't even need niece to go. And you know. Super deep in the game, you need like five great innings from these, nice. and he'll well, give you I'm that every about
2: Matts. Matt Mat- Matts is who I was referring to. You, well, because he's healthy. I, I can't then see them putting, putting in
1: the, Well,
2: the thing is, I can't see. Well, you're gonna have both of them. That's the whole point, point. and I, I don't see. I can't see putting Mats in the pen. You know, with I mean, isn't that kind of like playing with his arm a bit? And the same thing with, with Nice. I mean, is Nice really a bullpen guy because he takes so long to warm up? So my yeah. my thought is is there any any argument to be made to maybe starting forget 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 about Nice, um but like <laughs> starting a <in> match <laughs> and having Syndergaard in the bullpen to basically bookend any of those guys
0: <laughs> to, no. to make
2: sure that, that 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 you're not winning these games
0: No 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 dude you can't you can't do it <clears throat> you just can't do that I mean I it, it's a good problem to have when Mats gets back I honestly do think they're going to uh, you know, stretch and six starter. And then as far as the playoffs, you know, it's going to be those three horses. I don't know that I'd personally, um, you know, play any kind of those games where, you know, you have two starters, It's going to be a match in Syndergaard game or whatever. I would just either choose between Easter Mats as your fourth. That's the four-man playoff rotation and just go with it. And uh, if you need Bartolo, I think you put him out there as, as a reliever. As sorry as it is to I don't... See, I mean, he's just not uh, that good right now.
2: I don't even think he's going to make the playoff roster, unless somebody's hurt. And anyway, why would you yeah, need think, him if you really think of it?
0: Yeah, that's true. I mean, so what would you rather have, though? You know, uh, and it's kind of a this new Loogie they mm-hmm. picked up, who
2: replaced
0: <laughs> our, our other shitty Loogie or, or <laughs> clone. You know, so it's it's tough. Uh, it's a tough call. But you I know, know it's you. a long season. There's still two months left. Right. You know, let's exactly. get to the playoffs first. You know, you never know what's going to happen on the injury front. So mm-hmm. it's it's nice to have the chess pieces, but but yeah, man, I I think you have to put Cologne on the playoff roster, regardless. Somebody else will sit it out.
2: Yeah, well, you know, though if somebody gets hurt, you can always pop him in there. I mean, they do let you replace an injured player. I just think, don't think he has any value other than eating innings every like week or so. I don't think you. I mean, are you gonna ever? Is there a circumstance where you'd put Cologne in other than maybe mop up?
1: Mm.
2: <laughs> why would we need? Why well, would I we need a mop? Head.
1: <laughs>
2: you know what let's jump over to that for a second um so so mr Milktoast is coming back and uh, they're talking about uh, bringing conforto down um because of it uh what do you think about that i mean are you are you okay with it are you po that they're getting sending conforto down to bring this guy back into the fold i mean what's what's your thoughts
0: yeah, I'm actually not. You know, we need to know what we're going to have with Kadir for the rest of the year. So, okay. I mean, the roster's expanding in a couple of weeks. So, you, you know, you thank Conforto, you tell him, hey, go down, you're going to play every day, we'll see you in two and a half weeks uh, or sooner, you're the next guy up again. Um, and you're going to, you know, play meaningful baseball in September. But you got to know what you have in Kadir, right? So, I mean, the guy's a batting champ recently, and the guy can hit, and he's been injured. So if he's healthy and in this new lineup, if he's a guy that's going to give you you know, thirty-five, thirty-six percent of the time on base with a little bit of gap mm-hmm. power, um, and take pictures deep into counts, which was historically his—you know—the way he played the game. Then that's a real asset, and that's that veteran leadership he needs. I love Conforto; I think he's shown nothing but greatness um, and flashes of greatness. But to me, I'd rather have a healthy, productive Kadir out in the outfield um, for this this playoff push.
2: But if you're talking about September, I mean, you're talking about maybe just keeping him on the deal just a little longer. I mean, do you think he's got to be itching to get back here, thinking his job is really in jeopardy? You know, so wouldn't you think that maybe you want to let him sit for a little longer and let that really heal up, let his body heal up? Because, I mean, he he seems like every month or so his body just has enough. He's just not, not, you know, stable enough to play every single day. So... I just, I mean, I, I don't have an issue with Kadara coming back in general, I guess. But my main issue is basically making it conforto that has to go down. And I get the the thought that well, these young players have to play every day. Um, but I mean, it's August already. It's not like it's this is the whole season and where he's going to ride the bench. We're talking about the uh, learning experience of him being up here with all these professional players. I mean, it's probably. I mean, it's, even if you had to start him in the minors next year this is probably something that um, can really benefit him going forward. You know, I mean, do you yeah. see that's really hindering his development? Because, I mean, I can pick out a couple of people on this roster to get rid of. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> some residue. No, <Nah>,
1: totally.
0: <laughs> I mean, you know, if it is, in fact, Conforto, and, forth, and I, I literally would make it Conforto, just say, dude, go down. You're going to go play 20 games in 20 days for, mm. for Wally, and then we'll see you back mm. here, you know, for your September call-up. Mm. think but Cuddy out there, let's see what we have in Cuddy. you you got to kick the tires. You, know, you wait, and you wait, and all of a sudden, what are you going to wait till September 15th and hope he gets hot? You need to shake the rust off and see how he fits in with his newly tooled lineup. And Cuddy doesn't mm-hmm. have to be in there every day, right? So you're going to really have four for three in the outfield. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, with Ligaris, um, and Granderson and Cespita, so you play four for three. He's going to play 70% of the games. And okay. Be available to pinch hit. I think you lengthen your bench. I mean, there's, there's a lot of good reasons to put guy up here, so we just got to be a you little know, pragmatic about it. And then you got four veterans and four for three that could be really effective.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, and plus, you, you know, guys think, Nick. Last point I, on that. Last point is, and then mm-hmm, you know, sure. then you potentially your DH when you play in the American League, right? So,
2: right. Well, the, the flip side to that too. I mean, they are doing the opposite when it comes to catching because Pulawski yep. is up here sitting on the bench, <laughs> you yeah. know, like when they, because they're making a playoff run, so they are just using the best pieces that they have. So I don't quite understand the necessity behind it. I mean, again, it's, everyone's got a difference of opinion, but I just think that they can find somebody else to send down. Not not necessarily saying that they're not going to give Kadir um, a chance to kind of blend in, in with the lineup, but I think even if he's hitting well, when he comes back here, I think you need to find a way to sustain it through a whole playoff run. <laughs> and that would be to give him a lot of breaks, I think. You know, but um, I don't watch him every day, so <laughs> I guess uh, <laughs> I guess my opinion would not be that valid. So, um, so we got rid of the hat, dude. How awesome is that? The hat's gone. Yeah,
0: big birthday yeah, I cake felt bad. out. Because, I, I thought he because, was a guy that was actually going to going to play I and mean, mm-hmm. pitch well for us, but he was mm-hmm. just. God-awful, man. Just <laughs> horrible. It was just – I hated to see him come into the game, uh, you know, unfortunately. But, but it, well, the guy we got back, the guy we just picked up, O'Flaherty or whatever his name is, Robert <laughs> O'Flaherty. Of I mean, he's, he's terrible. He was terrible with the A's and he's terrible with us.
2: Get him off my team,
0: please. He's almost uh, as bad as Steve Gelbs.
2: Oh my God. (laughs) I don't know. Honestly, man, let me ask you this. Do you think that that Torres got, got released primarily because of the hat? How much do you think the hat had to do with his performance and the fact that he's off the team compared to some of the others? I would put it at 84%. (laughs) 84% eighty four percent
0: hat, sixteen percent his actual instability. stability. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: that, that had to be had to be hilarious in his family. The conversations he'd have with people. Man, come on, man, well, you're, please. You're supporting all of us. <laughs> Lose the hat. I can't. I can't. I'm gonna get hurt in that. I'm gonna get hit in the head. I know it. I know it. Please, you're crazy. You're crazy. Take it off. We're gonna release you. <laughs> I, um, I
0: actually was at uh, the Garden State yeah. Plaza in New Jersey, Okay. and I okay. saw him and his entire family there, and, and all of them <laughs> were wearing large uh, maxi pads <laughs> on their head as well. So it was actually a family tradition, apparently.
2: <laughs> kind of like the cone heads, only only kind of uh, eraser tops. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Oh man. So so. Um, so obviously no one no one listening right now um would know, but we were all texting each other um when the Gomez trade was first going down um give me Give me your thoughts, original thoughts on that, and then um your thoughts on how it actually materialized
0: yeah it was it was kind of strange, you know part of me was very excited to get Carlos gomez back not that i I particularly love him as a player, but I mm. did think that his combination of speed power uh, defense coupled with, you know, the energy that he brings a team was sorely needed. Um, losing Wheeler and Flores for Gomez, you know, as a as a one-and-a-half-year rental, I was like, you yeah, know, I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it mm-hmm. because, you know, we can get both back if need be. And, frankly, I think the team is built for now. So as this whole thing is kind of unfurling before our very eyes and, you know, Flores is getting fetted by the uh, a pretty crowded city field, Uh, fan base, and not knowing at all what's going on. And Terry, as usual, is just ultra-confused in the dugout. No one's included him in at all. Mm -hmm. And uh, just to watch that whole thing unfold that way and to see him come out and and really kind of break down, you know, emotionally uh, at the thought of leaving a a wonderful team with close friends that he's been on since a 16-year-old. It was one of the most powerful powerful scenes I've I've seen in baseball. I'll admit, I, I was pretty teared up. You know, I just was like, wow, this is something I want. But uh mm-hmm. this, this kid is you know, he cares so much about the team and about us.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It it puts the human element back in the game and I just thought it was incredible. And then when the whole thing happened where the trade fell through because um he didn't have hips like Shakira uh going <laughs> in, it was just uh I I was <laughs> kind of relieved and upset at the same time again. You know, and then Flores hits the home run and then we get sets for this. I mean talk about a roller coaster, did then you win, you know, seven games in a row and, yeah, you know, you're two and a half team in front of the Nats. Flores is, is you know getting most applause of anybody every time he comes up. Uh, and uh, yeah. it's just it's great it's great theater, man. Baseball is great theater. It's so much different than every other sport because of the length of the season and, and the emotional ties you build with these teams. Um, I was just I just think it couldn't have played out better. Uh but as it was going on it was just really, really strange. Uh but in a good way. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh Mr. Steve Keen, what, what what is your opinion on this? Hello? No, yes Steve, no, you you're on the air. Um can you hear me? Hello? Yeah, Steve? hello. <laughs> 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 I guess I guess I'll call back. <laughs> um let me actually ask you something along those lines uh, cuz I have a couple things I want to kind of get to here. Um you um you talk about communication and obviously your you have a a career that was based um In the military, Um, so so a lot of people talk about this relation um, between Alderson, how he deals with people within his organization, and kind of brings it back to his experience and this lack of communication. The fact that that Collins never knows what's going on, is it um, something that you would attribute to? Um, his background and how he views Collins and how he, Collins just doesn't need to know certain things? Or is it something else, like maybe he doesn't trust Collins as far as not um, revealing certain things? Why do you think Terry Collins never knows what's going on on this team <laughs> until the last minute? I think it's a combination.
0: I think one, mm-hmm. I think Sandy Alderson is a very material person. I just think okay. he doesn't like anybody, right? So it's not just mm-hmm. maybe Terry, it's, it's it's the entirety of the human race that he's averse to talking <laughs> to. So um uh but yeah, it's it's just strange that in this day and age that he's that the GM and manager relationship isn't close enough that he would feel comfortable immediately discussing all these things. With Terry, at least to clue him in so that in game decisions that could impact trades can be made by the manager who's, you know, the on field general. Um, so, yeah, it's just, it's just odd, but that's Sandy. I mean, we've seen since his tenure here that he and Terry have, I think, a good relationship. I think mm-hmm. he trusts Terry to make the right on-field decisions, although we hate most of the ones he makes.
1: Uh, but I <laughs>
0: think he's made it clear that uh, he doesn't share in any of the off-field and player decisions with Terry in a meaningful way, other than, hey, you got this guy, good luck. You know, I don't think Terry's like has it has input. It so... But I just think I just think Sandy's just a
2: mercurial guy. Have you warmed to Terry Collins at all at this point?
1: No. (laughs) (laughs) I just
0: you know he's just you know I think Terry's a crazy human being. I I have never Uh, not warmed to him as a person, but as a manager. uh, Like the other day when he you know that bunt that he called, the players are making (laughs) Terry look good, but Terry continues to make shitty decisions.
2: Uh, you know, it's a really. Why amazing. have
0: you? Are you like a Terry guy now? Are you just all of a sudden the worms turn for you?
2: Uh, no, 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 no. Not not quite. But I'll, I'll tell you what's really funny. Um, I I mean, I used to have just distaste for the fact he was there, um, just because I thought he was so wound up and so. I, I thought that just on top of the bad tactical errors he was making, I, fi- I thought he actually lended to some of the negativity on the team. Yes. Um. The you know he had a defeatist attitude. He had a, you know, you he heard some will Ponzian uh, lines coming out of his mouth. You know, the competitive shit. Um, uh, instead of just being dominating, and it seems like you know just because he's enjoying it, and he's like this. That one thing I, I texted you guys this, this 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 the picture of um him after they got Cespedes, and he's literally just almost he can't sit in a seat at the press conference, and you know. I don't really want him managing the team going forward, but like for this year, I'm almost, there's a piece of me that's almost happy for him. I'm like, go ahead, dude, you know what I mean? Like this is, this is the pinnacle of your entire career. Go for <laughs> it. You know, and people will naturally, um, look at his, uh, look at the team and kind of give him probably more credit than he, than he's due. And I think the, the main difference with me is I, I don't dislike the guy. Um, maybe like I, I had previously, um, I just I don't think he's a very good manager specifically, but <laughs> you know, there's, there's I mean, you can probably say that maybe a Casey Stengel wasn't the best manager in the world with the Yankees all those years, but he had so much talent that he's regarded as a legend. You know, so maybe yeah. you know, let him have his his Stengel year. You know what I mean? <laughs> Why not? As long as it doesn't continue, and this is the guy that we we're going to have for the next four or five years.
0: Well, yeah. Uh, so let's say let's take that let's take that thread a little bit further. So let's okay. say, and we all hope, you mm-hmm. know, the Mets they sure. in the National League East, and they go mm-hmm. deep in the playoffs and potentially right. to a World Series or maybe even a championship. And we got Terry for at least two more years, dude. I mean, you are going to extend him. I mean, just the thought of that just appals me, you know.
2: Do you really think Sandy – I mean, Sandy might be the only person in the world that wouldn't extend him longer than maybe a year. you really think that they'd give him a two-year deal? Off title. Well, they probably
0: give him a year, a year and a club option, you know, something like that. So, but, but you know, whatever. If we if we win a playoff game this year, it's all worth it. I don't give a shit what they do with them. Really? Uh,
2: seriously, I know it's funny. It's like for a minute I was thinking about it, like, huh, maybe it's worth not getting a title just to get rid of him. And all of a sudden, you think <laughs> that's, that's that's not the point of all this, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we kind of got games. Uh, and I I'll mean, tell you, you what, the funny are... thing. Hmm. Oh, go ahead. No, go go ahead. Go ahead. Go. I stopped your I stopped your oh, thought.
0: Keep going. I was gonna say the, uh, you know, we got these guys in their prime, and you know, we always talked about wait till next year, wait until next year. I mean, it's this year. Mm-hmm. The team is now. I mean, they are just freaking like a steamroller. So mm-hmm.
2: yeah, you know, we gotta
0: carry carry be damned. Just keep winning ball games.
2: Yeah, I, I always this whole wait till next year crap. You know, that's something that, that never really resonated with me. I never understood that. I, I look, I get it if if you're really Far back, perhaps, but you know, the, this thought of well, your team has to click exactly in April of every year, and if not, you know, you kind of change your game plan. You know, your team's ready when it's ready, so our team kind of got ready now, <laughs> last week, you know, so there shouldn't be a wait till next year. It's kind of a we're here, we're done. And, um, you know, look, I'm frustrated. The only piece I'm frustrated with is the fact that. The moves that he made are exactly the moves that we've been screaming about for, um, you know, honestly since spring training, but honestly for the last couple of years. And how we, um, I know at least I I was hollering about the fact that even when we were not that good, you got to bring in some guy like a Cespedes, you know. (laughs) So when we're ready to click, he's here already. And I think that we really should have been 20 games up in this division by now. I mean, the Nats have been all right at best but, I mean, with this staff, I mean, are you kidding me? <laughs> the fact that we're two and a half up is probably a um, – it, it's it's a testament to how good the staff has been, but it's also a testament to um, them not um, appreciating the fact that we needed some depth in this lineup. And, you know, I understand that they got Kadiar and everything else, but, man, man – when they got Cidao, you're thinking, all right, hopefully there's another move, and hopefully he can stay together for at least half a season. And yeah. when they got Cespedes, the first thought was, yes, <laughs>
1: perfect, <laughs> there,
2: there it is, you know. And I, I mean, I'll tell you, I, I when they were doing the Gomez trade, and you know, um, my response to it immediately was kind of, I don't like this. I, I, just the whole yeah. thing, it to me, it, it bothered me because I'm thinking even a year down the road. With Wheeler and everyone kind of was justifying it, thinking, well, you know, Wheeler, he's coming back in the middle of next year, so it's really like the year after, and that year doesn't even count because he won't be, he won't be himself. So really, we're looking at like three years from now until he's a really good pitcher. And it reminded me of the Seinfeld episode where Elaine and Jerry go to Florida, and they're sleeping on uh, Seinfeld's uh, parents' bed, <laughs> the pull-out <Palette> bed. <laughs> And Jerry's trying to tell her, well, you know, we're here for three days, but, like, meals don't count and showers don't count. We're here for 20 minutes, you know. It's just <laughs> justification. Wheeler really won't be here until, until 2019, even though next year he'll be part of the staff. <laughs> and because of innings limits, um, if he starts halfway through the year, we really have nothing to worry about. And he'll be a fifth starter the year after, so even if he has a limit, not that big a deal, I mean we see the limits this year, and it 's not that bad you know harvey 's coming back yeah. this is his first year back, and he he 's an ace this year he 's not this, quite the same, even though I think he 's kind maybe turned a corner recently but um here we go this is what it 's like to have a, a a great pitcher back from tommy John surgery it's good right. <laughs> it's not, right. yeah so so we for me, if you 're adding a piece. Um, and then you 're you 're taking away a piece from another strength. what is the look if it 's a necessity, I understand, but i didn 't think it was a necessity I really didn 't you know and in the off season i still don 't because even if cespedus leaves, which um, we can talk about that that weird contract in a second, but even if yeah, you, he's hey, gone. you just get another one get somebody else like him, you just pay for one i mean there's there 's two solid free agent hitters that are not um not Hall of Famers, but are very good. That are coming onto the Mar- hey, uh Jason Hayward is coming out. Um, Upton is going to be out there. You know, they're all they're healthy ish, <laughs> and they got power. <clears throat> Honestly, Cespedes is a perfect damn fit. Uh, they, he, I, I think that they absolutely need to find a way to sign this guy. But you know, that being said, there are replacements, and I would I would just not give up Wheeler for anybody. Because I think you need, like, five aces, man. Five aces. How do you... I, I, I just I want to see it. It's You know, yeah. I think it's just for the good of the game. It's never happened before. I think people are excited to watch it. Why would you take the entertainment value of that away? You know, the fact that when they turned around and then ended up, ended up dealing Fulmer, and, and the fact that Wheeler ended up, call, ended up calling Alderson to beg him not to do it, which is just thank you, Wheeler. Um, man... I, I can't explain how happy I was because this, this trade felt right. It just felt like there's your Don Clendenon, You know what I mean? There's your guy. Yeah. And and it turned out perfect because if you notice two things, first of all, Cespedes it didn't have that New York hangover that a lot of guys have when they come here. Well, all of a sudden they just – no matter not even know where he is. Thing. I don't even think he knows where he is. He's
0: <laughs> just like, I'm in a baseball stadium somewhere in the world. Doing, I play baseball. I mean, I literally think he's that's what he's doing he could be in, you know, Timbuktu for all he gives a shit. You know? <laughs> oh
2: god. He what did he say? Uh, he said something so funny about the playoffs the other day. I'm trying to remember what it is. He he was referring to things by the wrong name. Um <laughs> oh God, what the hell was it? Um the first thing that's popping to my head, I know, is not it, like calling uh, the playoffs the t- the tournament, but there was some <laughs> <laughs> he, he referred to it by by a term that just doesn't make any sense, and it kind of lends to your point of him not knowing where he is. I, th- I think you know what, that, maybe that's exactly what you need in New York. You need space cadets, like Manny, yeah, Manny yeah, Ramirez. Totally. You know, yeah.
0: I I, I think uh, there's something you said to that. You know, but to your to your early point about you know the Gomez and, and Wheeler. I could, I totally see it because I, I did struggle with it because of the Wheeler factor. But I was mm-hmm. thinking, like, unlike Cespedes, Gomez is this year and then next year, right? And then Wheeler is, you know, sometime mid-year away from coming back, and then it's a tough season. So in doing my calculus, you know, I thought that was going to be more valuable. And I love the Cespedes move, but it's such a weird contract that if the Mets don't sign him, then they can't bid on him as a free agent. What the hell is that? How did that ever happen? Well, you know what?
2: I, I, well, I think the the thing with that is that he's not supposed to be a free agent this year. So the idea is this thing written in where you have to release him a year early, and then he becomes a free agent just by osmosis. You know oh, I mean? and, and when that,
0: you release him, you can't re-sign him.
2: Yeah, that's thing. Yeah, but you know the one thing that nobody brings up—he can just waive it. <laughs> I mean, the, yeah, that's he can, true. They they can say look we'll extend you um, can you waive this or he can cha- they can change the contract they can change it to say something like well all right we, we're going to release you but it has to, it's not going to be five days after the World Series it's going to be um, three weeks so we have a little mm-hmm. time you know or um, you know th- there's got to be a way that they can reword it because if he wants to be here and he's enjoying this experience he doesn't want to leave why I mean it's just, people are talking as though this is an MLB sanctioned thing Well, look you just can't have him it's it's a contract he decided he wanted or his agent decided he wanted he could easily change it yeah done, yeah, done deal you know now if he's like world series mvp and everything else i'm sure his agent is gonna basically you know piss himself <laughs> if he doesn't do it but the but the other thought is if if he's really in his own world, you know, and he just doesn't even know where he is. But he's just enjoying the experience. Maybe he's a strange guy. Maybe he wants to finally have a place um, yeah. to to call home because he's been on so many teams recently. And look, maybe he wants to kind of sit, you know relax and uh, and really, if he does care about winning, I mean, he's him on this team. We might win a couple titles. And uh, well, the challenge is, you know, he's going to want
0: yeah, he's going to want some kind of you know. 6 or $7, $120, 140000000 million contract, and, you know, I don't know if the Mets will sign it, but I, I would love them. I, I hope they're talking now. I hope mm-hmm. that they, they say, hey, dudes, put a number out there. Don't go crazy, but, you know, put a number out there, and, and we, can, we can work it, and uh, that would be wonderful because I love what I see from the guy. He's never going to be your high on base percentage guy, but he can play center field. He can play either corner. He can hit in the middle of the lineup. He's aggressive. He hustles. He's got a great makeup for New York because he has no makeup, so he can play anywhere, right? <laughs> he's out there playing baseball. Exactly. I think his teammates like him. I don't think he's going to be a pouty guy. He's not going to. I don't think he's roiding it up. I think he's just a naturally good mm-hmm. Cuban athlete that likes to play mm-hmm. baseball and roast pigs on a Spitfire with his family. <laughs> Thespitus <It's been literally
1: laughs>
0: Family Barbecue. Have you seen this thing?
1: <laughs> There's no, a Twitter no. called
0: Thespitus Family Barbecue, and it's all things. You (laughs) ain't desperate. It's (laughs)
1: crazy. Oh
2: my god, he's he's perfect. He's perfect, and and the fun thing about it is that it's not like he's tearing the cover off the ball. And usually, you know, when players come here, they're under the microscope, and everyone is expecting more. And he's kind of just very productive, productive. And he's got that star power. He's got the star power for New York City. I mean, it's a name. For some reason, Gomez, I just was not. Man, I know he's he's turned the corner. He's a different player than he was when he was here. But there's something about Gomez that just didn't feel right. You know, I don't know what it was, but Cespedes, man, um, he, the name he just feels like one of our guys. You know what I mean? It just feel it just feels right when he's here uh I I just can – I just love it and the fact he's got, <laughs> he's got the, the the Twitter barbecue cooking that that just makes it better it's like that's his mustache
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> that is his mustache that's uh pretty pretty cool um so all right so like, this is just maybe one or two other things we really want to kind of tackle on here
0: um yeah i got i got a first... 2 minutes dude <laughs> I'm sorry yeah, yeah, no no
2: no i <laughs> no, that's fine we, we, this is the time we're going to head out anyway um, I just want to know if Gene has anything to say there's, first.
1: there's a bunch of holes that need to be filled here
2: ah oh. <laughs> he's upstate he sent that message <laughs> there we go uh, alright man uh, listen before we split last little thing Henry Mejia um, how, how stupid was that oh my god <laughs> I mean, gra- grade of you 1 know, to 10
0: <laughs> you know I just uh
2: Wait, 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 I, Be- before you do I don't it, even before know what you, to say Before you get into because it, I we I need to, I need to put on the proper um hold on a second. I gotta give you the proper background here. Hey, come on, get out of there. <laughs> yeah, all right. Now now talk about it.
0: I couldn't believe that a guy who just served that suspension under that microscope would be stupid enough to listen to whatever idiot medical flake told him that a matching agent would prevent a reoccurrence of getting caught. I I just don't think he'll ever pitch in the major leagues again. Or if he does, it'll be like four years from now as a member of the last place Chicago White Sox
1: after he's (laughs) done three years in the
0: Mexican League. I I just, you know, and and you look at his numbers, and he's, he's exactly what the team needs right now, right? That bridge to Mejia. Um, that mm-hmm. counterpart to Parnell, that guy that could potentially close. Um, but, you know, we got Clibbert, and I, I moved on. I think Henry's a great kid. Uh, I think he's a good guy. I just think he's mixed up in the head, and uh, it's unfortunate because here's someone that could have made enough money to have a successful life and been part of a championship club, and he just threw it all away because he listened to an idiot, and, uh, you know, unfortunate. That's all I can say.
2: Uh, yeah. I mean, honestly, that's, that's the dumbest thing I've, I think I've ever seen an athlete do. Next to the guy from the Giants that blew his hand off. <laughs> Firework. Oh, hear, <laughs> Let's call. be his cousin. <laughs> uh, hey, you need oh to check your Twitter right.
0: account, too, man. I'm sorry? I just tweeted, Ioannis uh, Cespedes is Chico Escuela for the modern era. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, God. Well, thank you, Mr. All right, you, brother, I've got man. It's... I'm heading out. Uh, Absolutely. Heading We're going to close up here. Shop. Course. Cool. All right. Well, for the cult and that's personalities, at least uh, today, we are in first place
1: for Dave Singer,
2: Stephen Keene, who is not here right now, Gene Anthony, and the great Matt Faz, wherever you are. We will see you next week. Have a good night. Have a good day. All right, brother. See you, much. Goodbye. Stay-